Habakkuk, if you find Haggai, keep going backwards, you'll find Habakkuk, H-A-B-A-K-K-U-K. So has everybody found the book of Habakkuk? Jolly good. We're going to study. I'm going to do my best to preach fast this morning and teach you what's going on in this book. You say, how can the book of Habakkuk be relevant to us today? Well, we're going to find out as we study God's Word. Let's pray. Father, this morning we've come to worship you. We've come to learn from your Word. I pray, Father, you'd keep me in the right spirit, in the spirit of love, in the spirit of Christ, as we study this book of your Word. Would you bless each one that's come this way? Open our hearts now to receive the precious Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you ever heard a message on Habakkuk? Anybody? Okay, we got a few. Amen. Here we go. I want to introduce you to the man Habakkuk. He was a man of deep emotional strength. He possesses here in these books a deep sense of justice toward man, and he possesses a great relationship with God. I'm going to tell you something. If you ever have a great relationship with God, you'll have a pretty good relationship toward man. And uh, so he possesses that. He has a great faith. But in all of his faith, in all of the righteousness that he sees, he sees what's going on in his country, and his country has declined morally. I mean, he, and, and it, because there is such a great moral decline in his nation, he begins to question God. Lord, why don't you do something about my nation? Why don't you do something about the sin? Don't you see what's going on here, Lord? Why don't you do something? So we see this man has a great relationship with God, but he's asking the Lord some questions, and we're going to find out how the Lord answers his questions here. So he's living, the setting here, he's living in a divided kingdom. Jehoiakim is king of Israel. Jehoiakim was a bad king. So what we have is a good man named Habakkuk living in a bad country. We have a godly man living in an ungodly world. There was deterioration in society. There was the declination and the de de degradation of the morals of the fiber. The moral fiber of that nation was gone. So as we read here, we're finding a good man in a bad setting. I'm going to tell you something. That's where God works the most. When he puts a good person in a bad setting. And Habakkuk here is all torn up and suffering anxiety on the inside because he is a righteous man. He does believe the word of God. He does have a right relationship with God. And that relationship with God causes him to see the sin of his nation. And it's torn him up all on the inside. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to say... I'm going to just bet, and I'm not a betting man, that all of us have felt that way about our country. Y'all engage with me. Now, you disengaged with me last week, and I'm not going to let you do that this week. We've all seen that about our country. It, we were all concerned about the moral decay of our country, and that is exactly where Habakkuk is here. So Habakkuk questions God. He probes for understanding. He really loses some faith here when he asks God the question, don't you see what's going on in our nation? Can't you do something about it? Why are you silent? Why don't you move? <laughs> let me tell you something about the Lord. You can bring to the Lord your anxieties. 
you can bring to the Lord your fears and your hostilities and your anger. Amen. You can bring all of that to Jesus. He said to cast all of your care upon him because he cares for you. That word care in the Greek is really anxiety. It's cast all the things that just tear you up on the inside. Bring them to Jesus. Those things that just keep you, oh, just out of sorts, as the old saying goes, bring them to Jesus. You can express yourself to him. Listen, if we'll be reverent and we'll be respectful when we come to him, you can ask him any question you want. You can bring him anything you need, and that is exactly what Habakkuk does here. He says, Lord, why don't you do something? There are three chapters in the book of Habakkuk. The first chapter is Habakkuk asking a question and receiving a first answer. The second chapter is Habakkuk asking a second question and receiving a second answer. The third chapter is Habakkuk finally praying for revival. And so let's find out what's going on here. We're going to begin by reading Habakkuk chapter 1, just the first four verses. We're going to skip through the verses. Here we go. The burden. Habakkuk is burdened about something. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence and thou wilt not hear. Save, Lord, you're not doing nothing. Why dost thou shew me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and for violence are before me. And there are that raise up strife and contention. Lord, you're showing me all these things wrong with my country. Why don't you do something? Verse 4. Therefore the law is slacked, and the judgment never goeth forth. The wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Lord, I'm weighted down. I'm burdened down. I see violence in my country. And the Bible says he's crying out to the Lord. That, means, that doesn't mean he's crying tears. That means he's, he's speaking in an emotional sense. Lord, I need you to do something. I lifted six things from four verses that he saw. He saw neighborhood atrocities. He saw violence in society. He saw corruption in cities. He saw the wickedness in government. He saw iniquity in the home. He even saw injustice justice in the court system. Does that sound familiar to you? Does history repeat itself? When I look at America, I see the same thing that Habakkuk does. I see the rioting and the looting that has gone on in our country and neither political party has done squat about it. Amen, Amen preacher. I mean, I look at our country and lawless, lawlessness goes unchecked. There is societal immorality. There's political immorality. There's immorality in our court system, in our government system. I just, I'm like Habakkuk sometimes. Lord, it's time for you to do something. We can all agree there, but we're going to get our attitudes changed just a little bit by the time we're done. I mean, in our country, our, our police are handcuffed and our jails are opened. We got a, I got a problem with that. Is there any law anymore? Is there any justice anymore? Is there any moral fiber left? You say, preacher, we hear that kind of preaching, but give us some facts. Um, oh boy, here, here goes some facts. Here's a Gallup poll, a recent Gallup poll showing, and it begins with this. 
When it comes to controversial moral issues, Americans are increasingly less likely to see the controversy. In other words, we're like, okay, so there's moral issues. Kesarasara. Amen. We've become apathetic toward moral issues. Let me tell you something. You cannot be a spiritual person and live in immorality. And I'll say this, the true test of revival, if you say you have revival and there's no moral improvement, you had a fake revival. Amen, Amen, preacher, let's keep going. So, the Gallup poll is showing this. What's the big deal about sin? The Gallup poll is showing this. 70% of Americans think that sex with any partner is okay. Inside of marriage, outside of marriage, male, female, doesn't matter. 70% of Americans... That's shocking. That should shock us. 75% of Americans say that divorce is acceptable. 40% say it's okay to clone animals. 20% of Americans say that suicide is acceptable. You say, well, that's not a real high rate. Well, it's up from 2% to 20% now in just the last two or three years. I mean, pretty soon we're just going to go have doctor-assisted suicides and it's going to be morally acceptable. Let's keep going. 70% think it's justifiable to take aborted embryos and do stem cell research. Three-quarters of Americans think that gambling is not immoral. 78%, 78% of Americans think it's morally permissible to consume alcohol. Boy, it's getting quiet in here. I'll let you disengage for this part. (laughs) Here we go. 68% have no moral issues with taking illegal drugs. My goodness. Our country has become a cesspool of sin. It's a modern Sodom and Gomorrah. And the unsaved person or the professing Christian says it's okay. I mean, there's a very popular preacher on TV now saying you can be a Christian and and live any lifestyle you want. Just express yourself. (laughs) He's a false prophet. So Habakkuk here, let's get back to the word, is asking a question. Lord, I'm seeing these things. Don't you see them? (laughs) Lord, I want something to be done here. Don't you want something to be done? And boy, did he get an answer. Let's read verse 5 and 6. This is God's answer. Behold ye, Habakkuk, here's my answer. Behold ye among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe what be told you. For lo, here's my answer. I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. He goes on to describe this army. I don't have time to read it. Let me give you a rundown. This Chaldean army is described as being terrible, dreadful, making their own rules, swift as leopards, fierce as wolves. They fly as eagles, and they are coming for destruction. Uh, Habakkuk has asked a question, Lord, why don't you do something? And God says, here, 
here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn the Chaldeans loose on the nation of Israel and they are literally going to wipe it out. You say, preacher, does God use other nations to judge sinful nations? The answer from the scripture is, yes, he does. We just see that from this book. If you study, if you just throw your Bible away and study Jewish antiquity, you'll find that God used Syria, Egypt, the Babylonians, the Romans, and the Philistines to persecute the nation of Israel because of their sin. Somebody say amen. amen. He did. If you study history, you throw, you throw the Bible away, throw Jewish history away, then you find that in in national history or global history that God uses other... Look what God did to Napoleon. Look what God did to Alexander the Great. Look what God did to Hitler in recent days. Look what God did to Saddam Hussein. God uses nations to punish other nations. Are we all on the same page? Okay. So, why, I have to ask the question for my country, why do the nations of this world hate America? Why does China hate America? Why does Russia hate America? Why does North Korea hate America? Why does Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, the Palestinians hate America? Is it a, is it a, could it be a possibility that God is moving against America? I mean, when I just read all of those percentage of sins that we're involved in, I don't doubt it at all. You say, that's not popular preaching. It doesn't matter. I'm in the Word of God. I'm straight in the Word of God. So you know what I think? I think God is attempting to wake our nation up to spiritual enlightenment so our morals get better. Amen. And he's, listen, he's doing everything. There's national disasters. There's unrest in our society. There's a shaking of our economy. There's the threat of war. God is trying to wake our country up. The truth is, when we look back over the last four decades, in the 90s, we had to fight Iraq, and we made all of the Arabs mad at us. In the 2000s, beginning in 2001, 9-11, 2001, they came to our shores and brought down our Twin Towers. In 2008, we had a, a shaking of our economy that I think is going to be a drop in the bucket compared to what's coming. And then, you know, we went through the teens there and all of a sudden we got COVID. Now we've got Russia on our border. My goodness. You say, we're not at war with Russia. You better wake up. We're in a proxy war with Russia. What are you preaching, preacher? The same thing that Habakkuk asked the question, Lord, why don't you do something? And God was preparing other nations right then. You know what I think? God is preparing other nations against America right now. Russia's looking at us. Uh, North Korea now has a nuclear ICBM. The Pakistan is at, is at enmity with America. The Saudis are turning from America. China is amassing an army to take Taiwan. In each of the four decades I've just mentioned, God has sent us wake-up call after wake-up call. And you know something, a little bit after there, after 9-11, everybody woke up and went back to church, started praying, church attendance was up. But just as quick as that kind of smoothed over, we went right back to our sin. 
That's not revival. Amen, preacher. It's not. So let's look at the prophecy here in verse number 10. You're in chapter 1, verse number 10. The Bible says, and they shall scoff, this Chaldean army, and they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them, and they shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. God is saying, Habakkuk, your military strength will not deliver you when the Chaldeans come. It's exactly what he's saying here. Uh, and you know what I think he's telling America? <laughs> you got smart bombs and dumb politicians. Yes, sir. I'm going to go a step further. We've got supreme intelligence in artificial intelligence, and we got real stupidity in human beings. Our country has become so foolish, we think we can sin and do anything we want to, thumb our noses in the faces of God and still be blessed. It won't happen. <laughs> and so we read here that, 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 look at verse 12. Now watch this. Here's the second question of Habakkuk. I want you to mark this in your Bible. The second questions. And, and he said, Art thou, verse 12, not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? Why, we shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. You know what Habakkuk is saying? Lord, you can't use the Chaldeans against us. Why, they're more wicked than we are. I mean, Lord, we're the good guys. Amen. Now, let's, let's see the change in his attitude. There are three changes in Habakkuk's attitude here. First of all, he says, Lord, I want you to do something. And the Lord says, I am going to send the Chaldeans. They're going to wipe you out. And he says, now, wait a minute, Lord. You can't do that with them. They're more wicked than we are. <laughs> and then he says, oh, I've argued with God. I've asked him another question. Is he really going to use the Chaldeans? Look at chapter 2, verse number 1. He's waiting for an answer. And he says this, I will stand, chapter 2, verse 1, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer him when I am reproved. Oh, he's expecting to be reproved. And he says this, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and shall not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. God says, you want an answer? I've given you my answer. And I'll tell you what you could do, Habakkuk. You can go write it in a book. You could take it to the bank. You can mark it down. As my daddy used to say, you can mark my words. Amen. This is going to happen. You say, preacher, when did it happen from the time Habakkuk asked this question till it did happen, till the Chaldeans did come? It was 14 years, but it came. Look at verse 4. Look what God says. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. He's saying this, Habakkuk, you're looking at your nation you think I'm not doing anything. You think I'm not seeing. You think I'm not judging. You think I'm just letting it slide. You're not living by faith. And Habakkuk, here's what's going to happen. 
The future doesn't look too bright for this nation. But I'm going to tell you something. In the future, you better learn to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So God says, write it down. Here's what's going to happen. <laughs> so let's recap here. Habakkuk says, Lord, do something. The Lord says, I'm going to do something. Habakkuk says, no, you can't do it like that. They're more wicked than we are. And God says, write it down. I am going to do that. And next, the next thing we're going to see is what God saw. And God begins to list in chapter 2 the things that he saw. Let me tell you something, Christian. Let me just get right down where we live. If you are genuinely saved, sin will bother you. Now, you may be backslid and it's not bothering you too bad, or you maybe have the attitude of the rest of the world and say, ah, that's really doesn't matter that much. But if you're really right with God, sin bothers you. And if, even if you're not right with God, you realize that where you are is not right. And you still realize the principles of good and evil. Amen. Christians realize that. People who are washed in the blood know the right way. But God says, Habakkuk, you think it's bothering you. <laughs> I see it and it's bothering me more. And just because, Habakkuk, my judgment is patient and my vengeance is unhurried, you think I'm not working, but I am. Let me show you what I'm seeing, Habakkuk. So let me just begin to list all the things you think you've seen. And the Chaldeans are guilty of this too. Verse 5, alcohol, alcoholism, pride, insatiable lusts and desires. Verse 6, fevery. Verse 8, violence. Verse 9, covetousness, high living. Verse 10, injustice to other people. He even says this. He says, I've seen so much and both of these nations have gotten so wicked that the stone cries out of the wall and the beam inside of the wall answers it. What a saying. You know what God is saying? Even the inanimate objects without a brain or without a mouth, they're seeing these things too. So here's where the change of attitude comes. And here's where I want to slow down. Chapter number 3. Let's read the first two verses. It, it, it begins with a prayer. <laughs> a prayer. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet of Shiganoth. O Lord, I've heard thy speech. And was afraid. O oh Lord, <laughs> revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. Now, wait a minute. Let's back up and look at our attitude when we open chapter 1. Lord, my nation's gone to pot. Why don't you do something about it? Chapter 2. I got another question, Lord. Why are you going to use them? Chapter 3, <laughs> I'm not on my feet asking questions. I'm on my knees asking for revival. Lord, I, you've showed me what you're going to do to my nation. And Lord, I think, I think I'd rather, I prefer revival over wrath. 
In wrath, remember mercy. Oh, the prophet Habakkuk gets a vision of what's going to happen to his nation and he gets on his knees and he begins to pray. No longer is he asking questions. No longer is he arguing with God, but he's on his knees in tears. Lord, send us some revival. Oh, that's where we ought to be today. Let's skip the first attitude because I have it sometimes. I look at our nation and I feel like Habakkuk. Let's, sec, let's skip the second attitude and, 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 and say, God, you can't do that like this. You've got to do it like this. Let's forget. Let's get out of the position of God and get into the position of blessing. Let's get out of standing on our feet and saying, Lord, why don't you move and say, Lord, please send revival. I'd rather have revival as destruction. Oh, I'd rather see people on their knees getting right with God as see the Russians come, wouldn't you? I'd rather see an outpouring of the Spirit of God than see the Chinese on our border. Amen. God help us as the people of God in America. Yes, we're a small remnant that are left. But if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and pray, then will I hear from heaven, I'll heal their land. I believe God can still put off his judgment. I believe God can still stay his hand of condemnation if his people will get on their knees and have the attitude of chapter 3. God, send us a revival. Oh my. Lord, I've heard your reply. I think it's time for revival. Lord, I wanted you to act and put an end to this wickedness, but... I've seen that end and I'd rather see a repentance than a recompense. Oh Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. You see, let me tell you something about this. Habakkuk gets a personal revival. Did the nation get a revival? Didn't happen. Fourteen years later, the Chaldeans still came. Fact of history. But Habakkuk gets a personal revival. Let me tell you something. You can have a personal revival today. It may not break out in this church. It may not break out in this community. But you can have a personal revival today. If you live in this community, in driving distance of this church, I promise you there's enough gospel here preached. If you're lost, you can get saved. I promise you there's enough doctrine taught in our Sunday schools and in our church services and sung in our songs that you can have a right relationship with God. I promise you that if you'll plug in and engage with Grosses Creek Baptist Church, you won't have to run around anywhere else looking for revival. You can find it right here. Praise God. I mean, it's here if you want it. Amen. And so he says this. Look at verse 17 of chapter 3, and I've got to close the message. He sees what's coming. Oh, by the way, you're at 17. Hold your place there at 17. God says in chapter 2, let's review the questions. Lord, you need to do something. God says, I am going to do something. going to do it with the Chaldeans. Second question is, Lord, you can't do it with them. Lord says, I'm going to do it with them when you write it down. The third thing we see is that revival comes. 
But he says this in chapter 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, in verse 17, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, there shall be no herd in the stalls. Boy, that's pretty bad, isn't it? But look at the next verse. Yet, <laughs> I will rejoice in the Lord. I say that's revival. Amen. Amen. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet. He will make me to walk upon my high places to the chief singer on my stringed instrument. Boy, I'd say this. Uh, this man got a personal revival. Amen. He said this. He said, if the fig tree doesn't bloom, uh, I'm going to rejoice. Uh, if there's no fruit on the vines, uh, I'm going to have joy joy. If the labor of the olive tree fails, I'll still have the strength of God in my bones. If the field yields no meat, I'm going to get on my knees in prayer and have the feet of a deer. If the flocks are cut off, I'll still walk on high. If there's no herds in the stall, I'll still have a song in my heart. If that ain't revival, I don't know what is. He says, Lord, I see what you're going to do. I ask you to do it. You told me what you're going to do. And I know all these things are going to fail and times are going to get hard. But I've got some personal joy in my soul. And it doesn't matter what Israel does or the Chaldeans do. But it does matter what God does. Amen. And he said, Lord, I'm going to find that joy. I'm going to find that strength in you. No matter what the circumstances of my country, my life, or the future is, my joy joys in Jesus. Praise God. I'm having revival. Y'all can just get in if you want to. Amen. So, let me tell you something. Sometimes we're like Habakkuk. We lose our faith and we say, Lord, I don't think you've done enough. And God says, live by faith. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. I have not lost control. The nations of this world may seem out of control. Nature itself, I just read this morning where they, there was a huge explosion in California and it was, it was like an earth explosion. They can't pinpoint it. Nobody shook houses. There are earthquakes from Turkey to California. If, all you got to do is look on your map. Listen, there are meteorites striking earth now that are... That are the size that we haven't seen in thousands of years. God is sending us sign after sign, signal after signal, warning after warning, caution after caution. God, help us to get on our knees and say, Lord, send us a revival. Here's where we are. You and I, as Christians can never look at God and say, Lord, you haven't done enough about sin. You know what he did for sin? He went to the cross of Calvary. Right there, those two beams, those two wooden beams that cross in the middle that hung our Savior, that's the answer. That's the revival we need. 
If we'll get to the foot of the cross, we'll find forgiveness of sin. If we'll get to the foot of the cross, we'll find that we'll have a vision for what's right and wrong. We'll have a desire to do that which is right. Oh, if we'll get to the foot of the cross, we might see somebody else saved. If we'll get to the foot of the cross, we might have the Spirit of God poured out in our heart. Oh, if we'll get to the foot of the cross, we'll find the answers we need for our declining country. But we got to get to the foot of the cross. God help us to be like Habakkuk in chapter 3 instead of chapter 1. Folks, that's as hard as I can preach and the best I can lay it out. We just put it in the Lord's hands. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I wonder this morning, boy, I felt the Spirit of God move this morning in my heart I wonder this morning if there be one here lost and you say preacher I need to be saved I don't know Christ as my savior and I know judgment's coming to me I need to run to the cross anybody at all slip up your hand quickly take it down nobody's looking reverently slip it up in front of you take it down alright I preach to the Christian I'm going to give an altar call to the Christian I'm going to ask you this morning Slip out of your seat and come to this altar and let's have prayer. Right now. Don't wait. God put the word of God right in your plate. Slip out of your seat and come to this altar. Pray for this nation. Amen. Come on. Come on. Pray for this nation. Pray for revival. Pray for this church. Oh, God, help us. Come on. We, let's... God will pour His Spirit out if we'll get on our knees and ask for it. God help us this morning to be like Habakkuk in chapter 3 and get on our knees without an attitude, humbly asking God for our nation, asking God to turn us around, uh, asking God for the salvation of souls. Come on, we'll, we'll fill the house full. Amen. Come on. Oh, God help us. Brother Brian, I want you to make your way. I don't know where you went, but make your way up here. Brother Brian's going to pray for us. I want us all to pray together. And I, I, I want us to mean this from our heart. God, move me first. God, move me first. God, move my church second. And God, let me move our community third. We'll worry about the country later. Let's take care of the local stuff. Amen. Oh, listen, revival comes when we'll stop questioning and start praying. Oh, let's take our petitions to God this morning in prayer. Oh, God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before you this morning, Lord, may our prayer be like that of David, Lord, in Psalm 139, Lord. May you just search us and know us and try us, Lord. See if there be any wicked way in me, Lord. Lord, help us just to have a desire, Lord, to have a right heart and a right life before you, Lord. And Lord, first, as our pastor just mentioned, Lord, may we desire that we would be right before you, Lord. Lord, that we would recognize sin as sin, Lord, that we would recognize, Lord, that when we're not walking in the way you desire us for to walk, Lord, you can't bless our church, Lord. You can't bless our community, Lord. You can't bless our families, Lord. So, Lord, let us recognize that we need to be right before you, Lord. 
And secondly, Lord, I just pray for our church, Lord. I pray that you would just continue to put your hedge of protection around this place, Lord. May we be a lighthouse in this community, Lord, a place where we know that the truth of your word is going to go out, Lord. May we just understand, Lord, that it's not in a man, Lord. It's not our pastor, Lord, but it's Jesus Christ, Lord. That's what can make a difference in everyone's life, Lord. Lord, I just thank you that we can just stand upon the gospel, Lord, and just know that it's the power of your word that can make a change and a difference in our life, Lord. Lord, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, Lord, but just let us draw near unto you, Lord. Let us recognize what an opportunity, what a privilege it is just to be able to worship you freely, Lord, and let us not take that for granted, Lord. And Lord, for our community, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just bless our community, Lord. I pray that we would be that lighthouse, that light for you in all that we do, Lord, and those that we come in contact with, Lord. May others see Jesus in us, Lord. And Lord, we pray for our nation, Lord. We pray for our leaders, Lord. It's not by mistake that they're there before us, Lord. And we just pray that you would give us that Christian reverence that we're supposed to have for those that you've put in authority over us, Lord. Lord, not that they may be glorified, but that you may be glorified, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that as we collectively gather around this altar, Lord, and those that are praying in the pews, Lord, this morning, Lord, that you would just hear our cry, hear our prayer, Lord. But Lord, let it not just be mere words, Lord, that are spoken, but let us just have a desire to have a heart changed towards you, Lord. Lord, if we would truly just be what you'd have us to be, Lord, if we would truly yield ourselves to what you can do through the power of your word, Lord, through the power of your light living in our lives, Lord, we wouldn't have to ask for revival, Lord. We would experience revival. We would see it firsthand. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray, Lord, again, you would just bring us, move us, Lord. Just bring us to that point of just saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. So, Lord, let us experience you this morning, Lord, and let us experience you in the day ahead. Lord, I just pray that everything that's done in and through this church, through our individual lives, Lord, what you desire to accomplish, Lord, We'll not forget to just say thank you, Lord, and give you praise for all you desire to do. And Lord, as we close our prayer this morning, I just pray that there be one here that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior. Perhaps they're walking through this life, Lord, and they don't have that settled peace and grace, Lord. May they recognize that will never come until they first get their salvation right, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would just convict that soul, Lord. Draw them unto yourself, Lord. And Lord, just most of all, as Christians, Lord, I just pray you'd forgive us of our complacency. And Lord, just bring us again to have a fire in our bones for you. Yes. We pray these things in Jesus' name.